Yeah, with that. And there goes the iconic opening. That was a slam dunk. Energy and excitement. Ready? Hi, this is For the Girls Podcast. I'm Nick Westrate. And I'm Jason Block. This is a podcast about gays and their divas. This is a podcast about queers, love, and ladies. It's a podcast about your number one gal who you've loved since uh, her 90s talk show. Um, it's about your best girlfriend loving Broadway and divas and everything that you liked until you saw it on a daytime show. It's about stand-up comedians from Long Island. Oh, uh, it's about winning Star Search. <laughs> it's about winning Star Search. Absolutely. It's about... This is a podcast only for people who have won Star Search. It's a podcast for anyone who figured out how to get the exit to Eden. Well, and who do we have? Who do we have today? Jeffrey Self. Hi. 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 Hey, have you ever seen Exit to Eden? I, I've yes. seen, yes. We saw it when, when it came out when we were kids. I well, remember, I remember thinking, like, this is going to be naughty. It's, yeah, well, that was, well, it was, it's, it's based gross. on a book that was actually an S&M story, and they, like, optioned it and tried to, uh, and made it, like, it was supposed to be, like, a raunchy, like, salacious film, and then it just turned into, like, a Gary Marshall comedy. Was it Gary Marshall? It's Gary Marshall. It's Gary Marshall's only, like, major, major, major flop. My friend um, name dropping. Well, no, of that time. My 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 friend name dropping Dana Delaney is in that. It's that movie. We we even talked about the fact that we're talking about Rosie O'Donnell. No, there we go. Sorry, yeah, because Rosie O'Donnell. If you don't, if you've never seen the movie. Um, is is has to go undercover as um, a she's dominatrix. A yeah, she's a cop, um, and she goes undercover as a dominatrix in this very, very, very. I mean, she looks fucking hot, revealing with the cutouts outfit. on the boobs. Yes, yes, and she's on 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 the um, uh, posters. Yes, looking kind of iconic and yes. hot. Which never again would we let Rosie do that. Look. Be sexy. It is a truly though. Dan Aykroyd, bad movie. It Dan Aykroyd. Um, it is a tr- it's unbearable. It's like you cannot Cringe. get through it. It's re- I can't even get through it. And I love two of the ladies in it, but even uh, even for those girls, uh, just a nice soft opening for the for this um, <laughs> Rosie. Um, yeah, it's it's not uh, it's not, a, it's not one of her greater pieces of work. But she, I mean, and that was after a string of perfect movies for her. Like, I know. What? I mean. Sleepless in Seattle, mm-hmm. A League of Their Own, mm-hmm. perfect movie. The Flintstones. <laughs> I think the Flintstones is actually the, an incredible. Film. I just really rewatched. Fun. Tried to rewatch it uh, how, recently. How was it for you? It's kitsch. It's fun. Yeah, I watched it about like a year or two ago, and it was really stoned. But like, I found it real. Like, a, I thought it was like design wise, like stunning. Just, yeah, I forgot they used all. They did all so that. It's all cool. the real fun. stuff too. Yeah. It's not yeah. like CGI like and props. Yes. Yeah. Elizabeth Taylor's in it. She is. Halle Berry's in it. Um, Rick Moranis is Perkins. In it. Let's just name all the characters. Let's just we have <laughs> and have you ever, more seen, have you ever seen the sequel to that movie? Yes. Where they none of them came back, but Kristen Johnston is in it. Kristen I mean, Johnston like, took over for Rosie, right? No. no, Kristen Johnston took over for Elizabeth Perkins. Mm-hmm. Who took over for Rosie? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I don't know, but Rosie's really Someone good right in that role. In. She really, she really gets. She's the really good in that role. And then, of course, you know, Betty. Right around that same time, forgetting Exit to Eden, we also had. Harriet the Spy, which I think 96. is a truly, 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 uh, I believe that's 95 because it's right, it's what she did right before she did her talk show because she was shooting that movie and she was, she had adopted her first son, Parker, and was away for a long time and called her agent and was like, I can't do any more fucking movies on location. 
I need a job in New York that I can just be in my apartment with my son and raising my kid and not like raising, a, you know, just going to a nanny. Right. Um, and I was so iconic. That was like, everyone read that book. Yeah. Right. And then like, it's going to be a movie. Great movie. Great, great movie. We were like, at I the remember age crying too. We were, it's actually quite moving. She has a really beautiful dramatic monologue that I tried to find as a clip to send you guys, but couldn't. Um, and it's like when she gets, Basically, they like spoiler alert for Harriet the Spy. <laughs> um, Harriet, stop listening now if you haven't seen it. Pause. Um, I really want you to do just to make up a totally graphic lie right now, where like Rosie falls on spikes and slowly yeah. dies. So, so she, if you've seen the newest episode of Killing Eve, when they cut that man open, oh my gosh, I haven't. Like, <laughs> I um, watched it last night. Multiple spoilers. Spoiler. So she, um, but she, they, she gets fired, and um, they, the waspy parents fire. Um, Scully, Cully, Gully, Gully, not Cully, not Scully, Gully is her name. And they fire the nanny, and she like has this beautiful monologue to the little girl, Harriet, obviously the spy herself, yeah. and um, about like going away, and it's beautiful. Are you getting old with some other kid's nanny now? And love them more than you? Never. Remember, in my life, in this world, there will always only be one Harriet. Now get back to work. You've lost nearly an entire day on your notebook. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter? Did I hear you say it doesn't matter? Because I thought I heard you say it doesn't matter, but Harriet wouldn't say that, would she? Now come on. Just because you're on your own doesn't mean the world stops turning or that there are no more fascinating people to observe and fill your notebooks with. That's your job, Harriet. That's your job for life. And when you're all grown up, and you sell your first novel, I'll be first in line at that bookstore, getting my autograph copy. And then obviously in that movie, also another incredible icon, Eartha Kitt's in it. Oh, I didn't remember that. Uh, Gosh, we were supposed to do it. And then the little girl is 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 Buffy's little sister. Yeah, yeah. I don't um, know her name. I'm not a Buffy queen. I'm not uh, either. Uh, get out of my house. <laughs> um, I don't dislike it. I really want to watch it. I just haven't. I just never did it. It was the time. And it seems like really daunting to me now. <laughs> Nowadays, there's just so much. I will. I'm honestly, this is like my corny thing. I'll be like, Buffy got me through high school. Great. I love it. I know a lot of people who. A lot of people like, will say. A lot of people will come out and be like, Yeah, that was like my. Uh, that was it. That, that saved my life. And now, oh, I'm sad that Rosie's prestige drama has been canceled. <laughs> the Smilf? Yeah. Did you watch it? I did. I, I haven't watched all of it. I only watched the first season, but I thought she was truly, truly, She's truly wonderful in it. And my mom is from Boston. Oh, really? And so, like, that accent is very, like, home yeah, just, for me, and she was great. It was just so nice to get to see her do, like, some real acting again. You know, like, she was a full movie star. We always forget that, that, like, she wasn't yeah. just this, like, talking head on a TV show. Like, she was at one point, like, a big, like, a really big movie star and, like, a, and good. And, but I mean, always kind of doing a similar thing. But I felt like in this, she really got to, like, do something new and it was different. a real character. And they offered that role originally to Roseanne Barr. And oh. Roseanne Barr turned it down to do the reboot of her TV show. Oh. That didn't go so great. Oh. Frankie Shaw dodged a bullet with that. I one. mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, she like dodged a bullet from maybe a slightly <laughs> <Yeah>. bullet. <laughs> for, for, she, she, yeah, there was a lot of bullets flying at Frankie Shaw <laughs> in the past year. But, um, she, uh, she, yeah, and then Rosie did it. And I think she's so good. No makeup, that great hair. Just really, really good, good performance, I thought. She's and she always has such great hair moments. I love. She 
does. She's she's done some really epic hair moments. <laughs> the, obviously, the the great the great like in the Rosie O'Donnell show day, I like what's on the Rosie Barbie when they made the Rosie O'Donnell Barbie. Mm-hmm. It's like that kind of. It's like more of like a bob, like a thicker kind of bob that kind of like comes up at the ends. The dark brown bob. Yeah, yeah. not and to be confused the, with the orange. Slightly helmety. And then. And what about your hair? We got to talk about this. I'm sorry. I know. I, I know. like the little gold streaks. I like the little light. Yeah, stuff. you like the light in the top. Yeah, I really do. I think that it's. It's cuter. You're cute. I'm cute. I need the little lightness to be even cuter. Yes. Hey, Cher said it. It's done. (laughs) When she left her TV show and was producing Taboo, we all remember the crazy rock and roll, like choppy. Yeah. I'm an angry lesbian haircut, Mm -hmm. and which I think still to this day is fabulous. I've literally tried to get that. We all did that when we came out of the closet. She went into producing Taboo. Yes. She invested Mm -hmm. 13 million of her own. Dollars, dollars into that Cheap show doozy days. and it was obviously you know, right. but um it's a great score it's great. there's some great songs i remember i was in i was in drama school and that happened and just loving it i did not see it but um because i was <laughs> very young um <laughs> but um i was not living in new york at that point um but i remember being very into the album and yeah. uh i think i bought a button that said taboo oh, that counts. on eBay like as a kid. It. It Wait, where are you from? Thing. Georgia. Oh, wow. Yeah. There weren't a lot of school trips to see taboo from Georgia. Not a ton. I also didn't go to a real high school. I homeschooled myself in high school. Oh, because I, yeah. Cause I convinced my parents I was afraid of school shootings, which is not true. Um, I mean, I guess it's technically <laughs> Wait, literally but, from um, freshman year on you. Yeah. I just was like, didn't want to go to school. And like, I somehow talked my parents into letting me go to high school online. And I like went to the, some like weird online correspondence course out of California that like I had to email my studies. It was super weird, super bad. I literally know nothing. Whoa. Like it's a, it was a terrible education. How did you socialize? I didn't. I like oh. community theater. I was just friends with like a ton community of women theater. over fifty. Yes. Um, like tons of them, and uh, was just deeply, deeply entrenched in the world of community theater. And but then I moved to New York when I was seventeen. Gotcha. Yeah. That must have been crazy. Yeah. And then I got really scared when, after being there for like a year and decided to try to go to college. And I went to North Carolina School of the Arts. And okay. then oh, yeah. I was there for like six months and then decided I wanted to not be in college and went, went back to New York. Oh, good. Yeah. So wait, so you're so, at home, you're getting homeschooled, and you're just watching Rosie O'Donnell every fucking day? Oh, my day. God. Well, I mean, like, that's when did you her, first see so Rosie So Rosie started middle school. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell show started, uh, I believe, middle, actually, maybe. 96. Started. 96. So I would have been, the Olympics were in Atlanta. I would have been, I think, in fifth grade. Yeah. I in, yeah, I was in sixth grade, yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it was just that perfect, perfect, perfect show. A tiny, tiny, tiny time period. Only did six, four, five, six seasons. Yeah. Tiny six. amount of show. Like, just a very self-contained amount of time. But just magic times. Like, that period of time of... Her show, and when she was hosting the Tony Awards, and when she was doing the Kmart commercials, mm-hmm. was just such a lovely, iconic moment of my, I guess, childhood of, well, of the it, 90s. This is how it was. Like, you would, it, Rosie would come on at something like three, and in, then yeah. Oprah was on at four. In and my, it was like two hours yeah, of just pure joy. Pure in my hometown, it was, and like, because, you know, it was syndicated, so it was different in every city. Mm-hmm. Ours was, it came on at three, Rosie, and then they repeated the exact same episode of Rosie again on the same network at four. Whoa. Why? That's how popular it was. And then they did Oprah at five. 
So we had a three-hour thing, and I would, you know, like get home when I was in middle school. Like get home at like, you know, it would be like three twenty, and so you'd miss the like, you know, cold open of the Rosie. Right. So you'd you watch the, the end, but then you'd re, you know, you'd rewatch it in the four o'clock. And I, I really wish I still had them because I pretty much videotaped like VCR'd all of them wow. at one point and had a bunch of them, but I think they got recorded over. I'm really bummed. Have you ever seen the? Because you, you know, obviously, it's so hard to find clips of or like full episodes of talk shows. But she did this like. Like this was maybe before she joined The View, I want to say. She did uh, this retrospective kind of DVD of like her best, her favorite moments. And it's like her sitting barefoot in like a, <gasps> a lounger chair next to a screen and like watching really pensively and just sort of really, uh, really taking it all in. Um, her favorite clips of the first season. It's great. Find it. It's, oh, a, it's wow. a good DVD. It's kind of like that DVD I did for Oprah. If you remember that one as well, it was like a big box yes. of all like the best clips of the Oprah show. And they did it for Carson too. Like Carson had like, yeah, sure. had like the videos of the yeah. Carson show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. The best it was of the like 70s, that. 80s, and totally. 90s. Like, I, totally. I remember when she came out and I remember my mom, like, and that was, you know. When she I came knew, out? Came out? No. When she, well, she came out as a talk show host. Uh-huh. And I remember her knowing her in her. We keep seeing the word iconic like it's like no one's business. <laughs> sure. Her but iconic uh, roles. Sure. I mean, I probably said that word like literally not on this podcast, but 3,000 times. Like I just had an just, iconic just, sandwich. Just and today. A, yeah, just today. It's all so iconic. It, it's an iconically abused term on this yeah. podcast. I use it a lot too, so I get it. Right. But when she, yeah, when she first like came out in that, like, it was, I, they, I think the show like started in the summer kind of like with little fanfare and then it was just like immediately a huge Huge. Hit. Like it was Rosie. Was ever and I remember my mom being like she was kind of a, um, a, a body comedian. Yeah, and I was like, what? And because right, she instantly got Queen of Nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. Immediately, she was like just where and and was light. She was like kind of the counterpart to Oprah. Like Oprah yeah. was doing the big stories, and Rosie was doing. She was just fluff. pure fun, and when also at that time, like all of daytime talk shows were. Like Jerry Springer, Ricky Lake, Jenny Jones. Like it was mm-hmm. all that like kind of tabloid, angry TV. And they were kind of mocking the people. And it was yeah. always like a kind of, even though it was like fun and trashy, it was kind of a bad time. Yeah, totally. But like hers was just like truly pure bubblegum fun and like celebrating pop culture in this mm-hmm. way that I feel like we don't really do anymore like on TV shows. Like... Everything's about like overanalyzing things and having like an opinion on these things and like, Mm -hmm. you know, sassy commentary on things. And it's like that show is truly just like her being like, I'm obsessed with this. Now let's talk about this. That's why I always say she's the ultimate person I want on this podcast. Yeah. That's like so much of why we made it is just totally. like gay fan out. Yeah. And she's the ultimate gay ultimate fan. Yeah, because she's fan. like she's catnip for like the young she was like catnip for my young queer mind. I was like, yes. that's what it was. What? She kind of like got us like, you know, I mean I knew Barbara Streisand and stuff as a kid, but like that's when I I first started wa- like watching Barbara movies because of her obsession over that, you know. Yeah. And like I knew who Liza Minnelli was as a kid, but like really knew who Liza was through the Rosie O'Donnell show. You know, you really got to know all these amazing people. And then she would have like random like people who were doing cabarets at like the duplex in the West uh-huh. Village on and just be like, this person's amazing. Come watch them. You know, yeah. like it was, it was, she kind of had this like sort of small town New York Broadway. Oh, total to Broadway. She brought Broadway to uh, everybody. everybody. To everybody. She brought Broadway to the I mean, yeah. We're just nominated for five Tony Awards. You can see them every night at the Lundfontein Theater. Please welcome the cast of the Titanic. <laughs> South Pacific.
Pacific, Oklahoma, Gypsy, The King and I, Fiddler on the Roof, West Side Story. There are only a handful of musicals that are timeless, classic masterpieces. Now there is a brilliant new show that you can add to that list. Ladies and gentlemen, Ragtime. You know, I don't know if I mentioned this, but the Tony Awards are June 1st. <laughs> Both of our next performers are nominated. You can see them every night at the Schubert Theater. Please welcome Anne Reinking, James Norton, and the cast of Chicago. agree about this season is that Broadway has been uh, has been anointed with a new rising star. Here she is to perform Gimme Gimme from the new musical Thoroughly Modern Millie. Please welcome Sutton Foster. <laughs> Never forget the first time I saw our next guest starring on Broadway as Dorothy in The Wiz. I stood outside the theater and got her autograph and I still have the playbill. Since then she's gone on to become a multi-award winning recording artist. Here she is to sing one of my favorite songs from The Wiz. Please welcome the one and only Stephanie Mills. Rent is the critically acclaimed Broadway show about young people in downtown New York City trying to cope with some of life's many hardships, including AIDS. Here to perform the song, Seasons of Love, please welcome Tony Award-winning cast of Rent. We also, like, so Jason and I grew up obsessed with Bette Midler since yeah. we were kids. Okay, yeah. and so that seeing, got me into Bette Midler. Yeah. Seeing her obsess about Bette Midler yeah. also made us realize, like, Oh, it's not so weird, or we're not so alone. Totally. Like this talk show host says that Bette Midler is the queen of all things. Like totally. we felt like our twelve-year-old self I mean, felt like vindicated yeah. by Rose. She literally was like, "Here's all my memorabilia," and then just had a yes. mountain of it. And then she was like, "When I toured in eighty, when I was doing comedy tours in eighty-three, I synced them all up to go to every one of Bette Midler's shows." Oh, so that wait, so she was doing gigs. So she was doing gigs around Bette Midler's concert concert dates. So she would go to every city that Bette Midler would do, perform, and then go and see her. So she saw her like 30, 100 times during this 83 tour. And and all that stuff I didn't know was possible to be in a fandom. Yeah, totally. Be obsessed with someone. I was like, oh, that's level? Yeah, and like be obsessed with someone and love someone so much and celebrate them so much. And then like to actually get to be successful enough to interact with that person mm-hmm. is was you know a surreal thing for like for little gay boys freaking out at home over over Bette yeah. But here, this was this was like kind of like that Rosie would do. She wouldn't just have people on for to promote stuff. Yeah, she would just have them on. Totally. Like you said, just to do like the duplex thing, one hundred percent. Or she'd just have like um, Carol Burnett on to just talk about how much she loves Carol Burnett. Yes. like was mm-hmm. truly promoting nothing. I remember Nick would do the Liza Minnelli just because Liza Minnelli got out of a ho- one of her many unfortunate hospital sure. stays, and just to have Liza be. And you, do you know the iconic thing you would say to me? I, I forget. She, she would go, Rosie. I'm dancing again. Oh. And then just like do like twi- twinkle fingers. Oh, and I remember I used to be like, Nick, do the rosy bin. Do the oh, that's really good. And then she did New York, New York. The, um, with that was the return from 9-11, the first episode yeah. back from 9-11. She, yep. Liza sang New York, New York on Rosie. And then she started singing it like every fucking where. Like you couldn't get her to stop singing it. But um, Thank God. Thank God. The world thank needed it. God. But that moment was really, really special. And, and Rosie, you know... I mean, so much of what within that show, if you look back, like to see the beginnings of the cracks of herself as this depressive person, who, you know, she's openly a manic depressive person, like she, you know, in the midst of being this like queen of nice in this sort of like bubblegum show, like slowly allowed the cracks of like her flaws and her mental issues to come through in this really, really cool way that you really didn't see in the, in that period of TV. No, you, and you kind of, as a, as someone who watched that show every day, you didn't see it coming. No. Like, and do, do you think that that kind of started with Tom Selleck? Yeah. Yeah. Or? I mean, I think that like she, 
like I think that Columbine really, really fucked with her head. She's she spoke a lot in interviews about like how she kind of assumed that in her mind, like getting super famous and having success would like give her a magic wand to fix the issues of the world and to wow. like make the world a better place. And like when the Columbine thing happened and she felt so powerless and was like the most successful person in America at that time, it's like what what do I, if I can't do anything, what can, what can be done? You know, if it can anyone do anything with all this money and power that I have, I can't even fix this. So, uh, I think that like sent her into like, um, you know, a bit of a, a, of obviously a depressive spiral. Um, and then I think nine 11 was also a big, a big trigger mm-hmm. as well, but she wrote like, do you remember the book she wrote during the show? Find me. I know that she wrote that book. Yeah, I haven't it's, read it. it. You should you go back. Is that her first? That's the first one. The second one is Celebrity Detox, which is also I a masterpiece. Think. The first one is Find <laughs> Me, and it's this really fascinating story about she had an d- adoption nonprofit at the time when she mm-hmm. had her show in Florida. Um, well, it was in. It was based out of New Jersey, and like she would plug it on the TV show. It was basically oh, like okay to like help. It was an agency that like helped with foster kids and like just promoting it online to like find kids' homes, basically I mean, on TV to find kids' homes. Um, but she wrote this book. It's really fascinating. It's basically about, she gotten, someone called the adoption hotline and was like, I'm the mother of a teenage girl, um, who got pregnant in a rape. Um, I don't know what to do. And Rosie personally got in touch with them and then like got very involved in their lives and sent them a computer so they could instant message. So she could really be there for this little girl, this like 13 or 14 year old girl. And then a big twist happens. And I think this is known about the book with that. Basically it was someone with multiple personality disorder, um, and had like, was pretending, was basically being six different people that Rosie was in communication with. Oh, wow. That's an OG then, catfish right yeah, there. Yeah. And then, but Rosie still brought her to New York to, to meet her, this woman. And like, became a big part of her life. And the book is about, is about that. And it's wow. so fascinating that like, at that time of the the midst of like Queen of Nice and this, you know, again, this sort of like candy colored TV show that she like used that platform to release this really, really deep, um, complicated book where she talked about, you know, being sexually abused as a kid and stuff that like did not go with the brand that she was mm-hmm. just having at the time. And but it's really amazing. We'll be, we cannot forget her other, her first iconic book, Kids Are Punny. Oh, kids are punny. <laughs> I forgot about kids are punny. <laughs> Just take it to a little lighter side. She did win the Nobel Peace Prize for kids are punny. Did she? Fuck no. I don't know if there's like a kids like, like helping kid kids Nobel division of the Nobel Peace Prize. She would get that because she has she, adopted almost all of the she children. She has all the children now, yes. Um, I love people who adopt. But, I love so, yeah, so there's not really much disability on the kids <laughs> are actually funny. But, you know, because she was a queen of nice, we weren't really ready for her to throw down politics. Politics, I think she just, she just kept it in this, like appreciation mm-hmm. and fluff and then all of a sudden yeah. we saw that her, the first crack of like her real liberal yeah. uh, with agenda with Tom Selleck which- in today's world uh, someone who is suicidal sits home nurses their grievance develops a rage and is just as suicidal but they take 20 people with them there's something changed in our culture that's not a simple but you can't say that guns don't bear a responsibility if the no, makers of the Tech say... 9 assault rifle why would the NRA be against assault rifles this is a gun that can shoot five bullets in a second this is the gun that those boys brought into the school why the NRA wouldn't say as a matter of compromise we agree assault rifles are not, are not good I, I'm not a, I can't speak for the NRA but you're their spokesperson Tom so you have to be responsible for what they say but if you put your name out and say no, wait, I don't Tom put words Selleck in my mouth. I'm not a spokesperson remember how calm you said 
you're being, now you're questioning my humanity. No, not your humanity. Oh. I think you're a very humane man. Okay, I'm saying well, that if you say, say... I disagree with you, but I think you're being But stupid. you can't say that I will not take no, responsibility sir. for anything the NRA represents if you're saying that you're going to do an ad for the NRA. <coughs> you can't really? say that. Do you think okay. you can? Look, there's, 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 you know, you're, you're carefully skirting the issue. It's an act of moral vanity, Rosie, to assume that someone who disagrees with your political agenda to solve our problems um, cares any less or is any less I never said you cared Lisa. less. Well, let me Tom, finish I don't talking. think you cared less, nor do I think the men in the NRA cared less. I simply said, too, and the women, I simply said, why can there not be a compromise on the There issues? is a compromise. What? There's a compromise in enforcing laws. There's a compromise in not in allowing kids with guns in school. There's a, the, the problem is, and what you don't seem to realize, you seem to have some sort of Look, we all hang out with people we agree with, and you have a very one-sided view of the fact. What, what you don't understand is as the, laws that As does the NRA, and the people you hang out with in the NRA have a one-sided view as well. I hang out with people in the NRA. Okay, well, you're saying I hang out with people with my views. I'm just I saying... Tend, I said people tend we to We all tend out. to. The NRA does, and the on NRA does. You know, this is a nice one-sided conversation, but you keep interrupting me. Remember how civil you said we were going to be? I let you talk for four minutes without saying one thing. Okay. I did. I didn't say one thing. I simply asked a question about the, 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 what their philosophies are, and you don't, you don't want to... I wanna... told you. Uh, would you when, when do you want to get to television and violence and I agree. game shows? I agree. Game okay. shows? And how do you reconcile... What, you mean video look, games? Let, let, I agree. Let, please let me finish. Let, 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 let me just say one thing. What you're really talking about, and what I'm, at least what I'm talking about, is are we a responsible enough society in terms of television, in terms of guns, in terms of everything else, to be this free? That should frame the debate. My answer, unfortunately, in this culture is probably not, but I'm going to go down with the civil liberties ship in all the Bill of Rights and apply them equally. That's, where I, that's the way I feel. You can ask me specific questions about anything, but it's simply stupid political rhetoric. Well, it's not stupid political rhetoric. He also has freedom of speech, but you're not allowed to scream fire in a crowded movie theater because I it understand. threatens the safety of other people. Assault weapons threaten the safety of other people. There's no reason, in my opinion, to have them. You want to have a hunting rifle? Great. You want to have a handgun? Do you really think the Second Amendment is in the Constitution to guarantee hunting and target shooting? Do you really think that's what the final I think the Second meant? Amendment is in the Constitution so that we can have muskets when uh, the British people come over in 1800. I don't yeah. think it's in the Constitution to have assault weapons in the year... 2000. So, like, I mean, in that yeah, moment, that, like, we, I don't forget, think they could on an entertainment program, like, with the, like, you know, there's, like, glittery, like, Brooklyn Bridge in I the background. I do want to talk about that iconic set, because it does, every time I see it, I feel, like, it's a sense of, like, excitement and yes. wonder with her, like, fun, like, big inspired, big the movie inspired kind of, like, yeah. child set of Coney Island or something, totally. right? Yeah, and then, it, that, and then in the midst of that, you know, this, this thing happening, I, I, is, I think one of the first times, like ever, that something like that conversation happened on like a daytime, like the facade talk kind show. of fell. Yeah, and, and, and it is and something so horrible had happened in the world that like how how would you ignore that? And I don't think anyone would ever do that today. No one would ever ignore something as catastrophic as Columbine. So like for and he had just done ads for the NRA. Yes, correct. And so. It was I think the first time we saw someone like that Rosie's persona on a show like that show 
really kind of like stop the fucking show and go like, let's actually talk about something real. Like, yes, you have a movie out delightful, but like, let's actually talk about something really, really, really important that's happening in the world. I think was kind of the first time that happened. And then, you know, that's kind of, I think what led to all of everybody else having, you know, putting their strong opinions out into the world. And as we do now, it is funny though how, how, well, it's just, it's a very depressing clip. My God, sure. God how I, I was looking, I literally looked away. I think all my clips are depressing. Yay. Fun. Fun. Um, why, do I, every, why do we want to keep singing the nanny theme song? Because the because her opening theme is, is like, very similar to this. I believe it's written by the same two, same people. It's the Calloway sisters, Anne Hampton and Liz Calloway. Oh, did the Calloway sisters? wrote both. We love Liz. Yeah, they wrote both. They're doing She's precious and she's rare. It's the fabulous Cher. I think the other reason that this was so important to her is because it's about kids. Yeah, and she had a her whole thing was kids. She loves shows about kids, and she has kids. And yeah, I mean it. It's a really, I think thrilling moment of live television can i ask you for um anyone not familiar rosie used to do crazy things with her desk yeah like what? so like that the desk, desk right now looks like it's made of a cardboard box it looks like it's like a cardboard box with oh my tools God, I on it remember this. she would sell her desk yeah i believe there was a period of time where people would like make the desks and like would win a contest and you got to have the desk and then she would like auction them off for for like charity an, remember or ebay something? was her eBay was, was her, she was very yeah, into eBay. Was eBay. Her she was obsessed with eBay. <laughs> just obsessed with like selling a thing for charity. Yeah, and I think that like she kind of really helped launch. I mean, like really promote the launch of. Mm-hmm. of I think eBay. she had like a Colgate Kiss challenge. Yes. Too. Okay. Well, that was when some one of the one either Listerine or Colgate Listerine said. Should we should have was, you plug both, and then we'll just put them in there. There was like a, a comment that was made about her. And a joke and like something just dis- like dissing her, I believe, from Listerine. And so then she did like a whole thing with got Colgate. S- she got sponsored by the yeah. other brand. It was like a whole, it was like a this like sort of shady sponsorship move. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah, I just think that moment is, is really, really special. That, the, the moment of the, the moment of when America got concerned with gun rights and I mean yeah Rosie really and yeah. actually talking about that yeah you know. Rosie really brought up which obviously then began you Isn't know the Rosie we we began to know over the next ten years Isn't it kind of crazy the, and it's heartbreaking all the other reason why I could barely watch this clip is literally the stuff she's saying are the same talking points we're using today One hundred percent. And, and so it's really freaky that 20 years ago, yeah. Rosie was still like, they don't, they have enacted no law since X and X and I'm Correct. Like, oh well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, like Rosie obviously has her, her faults as we all do, but like, I feel like on so many of these so many of so many big issues in the world, like she has truly been at the like ahead of the curve on so many of them. Like everything from actually talking about gun control on television to actually talking about how Donald Trump is a crazy person on television yeah. before anybody else was doing that. And you know? being against the Iraq War before one hundred percent before it was fashionable yeah. to be against um, it. 
But with the desk, uh, uh, I gotta take and back to the desk. Back to the, but you know the, the minutia of her desk. But a, she also like you have no idea the things when what well, we don't remember because it's not really. I mean, maybe it's like this with Ellen, but I don't think so. Like if Rosie touched it. We all bought it. Yeah, we like, all had. We all got Koosh balls for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Tickle me Elmo. She she premiered the Tickle Me Elmo, and then it sold out everywhere overnight that night. That's yeah. insane. And then they were five thousand dollars on eBay. People were trying to sell them. Well, it was also. I, we talk about this a lot lately. It's something that we. I mean, I'm sure Ellen can also move a product like really well. Like she's very influential. But back then, when we only had most of us only had four or five channels, yeah. and there was still a sense of common experience yes we all watched the rosie o'donnell show we all watched oprah right. and it was kind of the end of that period of common experience that yeah. we all had which now we don't have as much i mean we do around like game of thrones totally but, but yeah it's like if you're watching ellen like you're watching it on your dvr maybe in the middle of the night maybe in the morning before you go to work like right we were like the last brother to the generation that that was our entertainment that's what we had that's what we had to look forward to yeah. you know like we couldn't access we couldn't go online and just watch anything. Totally. We had that. But I also want to point out also my big thing uh, with Rosie and, the, and, her, and her ouvoir at the time was she was a big girl mm-hmm. and she didn't ever shy away from it. She totally. always kept Twinkies. Remember that? She kept yes. a drawer of snacks. She loved Twinkies. Yeah. Very, very, Twinkie very queen. into like her just celebrating her body. It's I mean, like, it was, and laughing about it. Yeah. I mean, like, again, like body, uh, body positivity at that time, like a, not as much of a talking point, obviously, in 1990. Mm-hmm. Six as it was as it is today, you know, but was really ahead of that. I feel like oh, absolutely, and yeah, and so mocking like, working out like I'd never seen. Yeah, I, totally. you know, I mean, yeah. she would she would just be like oh, like one of her like I like Madonna. Uh-huh. I think she, oh, we have to talk about that. Mo and Row, uh, Mo and Row, Mo and Row, all because of a League of Their Own. Because of and we were also talking earlier that they both bond, didn't they both bond over because their moms both died when yes. they were young. Their moms both died when they were young. They did that movie together and they they bonded a lot, obviously doing that and fell in love. Um, and then you know I think became besties. They're so iconic in that film together. Yeah, I don't know if they're still besties. I just recently looked this up. Yeah, like a year or two ago. I think they're they like they're in so touch, close. but they're not. I, I don't think it's like what it was. Right. But yeah. That's why she bought that place in Miami. Rosie bought like her mansion in Miami on Star Island, which is where all the mansions are. Yeah. Um, because Madonna told her to. Like, really? Yeah. She really like. I think, you know, followed in Madonna's footsteps. Madonna kind of shepherded her into fame because... A into of, A-lister, yeah. yeah. A League of Their Own was Rosie's first movie. Yeah. yeah. And and really, yeah, really pushed her into, like, I think probably taught her how to navigate being a super-duper-duper duper famous person, I would Which imagine. Which is also something that we... It was also so cool because you thought, like, Rosie was this wholesome person. And then I remember on that show, it's revealed that they are, like, literally best friends raising their kids together. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, whoa, Rosie has so many layers that I... Yeah, just well, don't and that's even yeah, know. you don't even know, and that's the other thing is like that at that time, what was so special about it is like now a talk show host or anybody on TV or in in any sort of form of like public persona, like you know everything about them because of social media, because of how like we live in this world where it's like everything, everyone has to be super transparent, which is great. Right, everybody has to be super open. Everybody has to be like aggressively um, honest. Which is what Rosie was back then. I feel like I'm just not think anything, but like, but back then I feel like <laughs> no one else was really that aggressively open and vulnerable and honest. I mean, and with even with the gay thing, you know, she never Rosie O'Donnell never ever ever like said I'm straight. Um, I was just reading something about 
in that new book. Well, what? Oh, are you going to say the Tom Cruise thing? Tommy girl. Okay. Well, the Tom Cruise thing though, she was always, she always said, I don't want to sleep with him. I just want him to come over and mow my lawn without a shirt on because I think he's so cute. Like it was never, I, I want to date him. Yeah. It was never that. It was always like more, a, a, a sillier kind of like little girl kind of crush thing. Now, right. obviously it was probably in a lot of ways to, you know, changed the attention to that from sure. gay rumors. But I was reading, there's this, you know, that new book out um, called Ladies Who Punch about yeah. The View. I haven't oh, read yeah, it. Yeah. It's amazing. Is it great? It's phenomenal. It's, I mean, it's just complete garbage and trash, but it's sure. It can't put it down. Do I, did um, you, did you, you finish it? Oh, it's amazing. Yes. Okay, good. Um, so, and they really go in on Rose, right? Yeah, well, Rosie sat down with them and did an interview. She, so, and she's come up and like, and she's of course, like, she even says in the interview, like, I'm totally going to fucking, you know, fuck myself over by telling you all this, but I don't know how to not tell everything. Um, she's so transparent. She's so transparent. She's you know, just a really But she talks person. about, th- there's a thing in that book where they're talking about the Rosie being closeted during her talk show thing. And there was a story in that book that she did an interview with, I think it was Good Housekeeping or something, uh, and said in the interview, talked about being single and that she had dated men, but was open, was, was open to dating women. And then the publicists for her or the show or whatever had it removed. So, I mean, at that time, I think a lot of that, that closetedness was coming from not just her, but from her, from the people around her. Of course. But also deciding. not about, because there was no space in, when she started in 96 for her to be no. out lesbian. 100%. She, no. Talk show host for like, basically like kids and moms. 100%. That's who that, her audience was. So yeah. And so I don't I, begrudge her. Right yeah. Now. And so when she did finally come out, which was at the end of the show and, and that was because of the, there was a Florida um, ban on gay adoption, basically. Mm-hmm. And she came out uh, in an interview with Diane Sawyer about, you know, basically not just like I, I'm gay interview, but like as a gay parent, this is what we need to be doing and talking about mm-hmm. and protecting and, and kind of didn't make it a thing about herself, but about the issue and, you know, sort of trying to fix, again, fix the issue and save things. They say, first of all, that children simply are just better off in a heterosexual parent situation. Well, that may be true, but the fact is that a third of all children adopted out of foster care go to single parents. A third. You can adopt if you're single, but you can't adopt if you're single and heterose- and homosexual. But would you concede that if they had heterosexual couple homes for all these kids, that that would be better? Well, I don't think it would be better necessarily. I think that you're, if you think heterosexuals make better parents than homosexuals, I have 500,000 um, pieces of evidence to show you that heterosexuals are not always great parents. Virtually all of the children who are in foster care were taken out of heterosexual homes. What you need to be a good parent does not have anything to do with sexuality. You need consistency, you need love, you need acceptance and diversity and stability, and all those things can be provided by gay people as well as straight people. Sexuality is not a precursor to good parenting. 
The other thing she was so transparent about that I love is not being able to sing, but always wanting to sing. And being obsessed with it. Which is so, was my life too. Yeah. I was so into community theater Same. and like in the musicals, but not very good at them yeah. and all of this. But she just, but she would sing. Because of joy. Abandoned. Yeah. And, and just, it was so great. Yeah. And like when she hosted those, like the Tonys and stuff, like yes. she, like you got, you, you really saw yourself if you were a little, a little gay boy or something obsessed with musical theater or, or another non-gay boy um, you know if you you saw yourself like being like on stage with Patti LuPone or Jennifer Holiday and like holy shit can, can you believe I'm getting to do this right now oh, that, that. That, that infectious energy it's so oh, yeah, I think there's a clip I'm back the thing that actors all adore is simply the Tony but there's one thing that I want more than winning a Tony. I want to be a diva. I wish there was some way I could learn. You see, I try to sing like Patti LuPone, but I sound like Rhoda Morgan Stern. Some say I'll never have my dream. I say that's baloney. Someday I'll be in Diva Bliss Cause I keep hoping by and by If I raise my arms up high I could sound like this It won't be easy You'll think it's strange Like she would do when she hosted the Tony, she would do these like just epic production numbers throughout the whole show. It wasn't like she just like did one and then just kind of you know popped on stage to say hello throughout the night. Like was fucking working her ass off. Those are all written, I think, by Seth Rudetsky too. It's just oh really? So yeah. I mean, she will hop into a musical too, and she, she will. She was that, on Greece. She, she Greece. Susical. Susical. She's well. That was like. And with that kind of thing, like, Susical was while she had the TV show, the talk show, and it was because Susical was, like, she was obsessed with it, and it was not selling at the box office, and she, like, was like, I'll just go into it and promote it on the talk, on the talk show every day, and you guys can stay open. And, and it worked. Then, and then it worked. Yeah. And she did that with, uh, I mean, she went, in, she went into Susical, what else, didn't she go do another one as well? After after all of that went down, didn't she do Fiddler on the Roof? She well, that, did. she did Fiddler, later. yeah, later with Harvey Fires Chain. I saw <laughs> yeah. it; it was fascinating. Was it iconic? <laughs> it was something. Um, but uh, but Greece was before the talk show. It was like, that was like ninety five yeah. or four, yeah. And that was just like she, I guess, really wanted to fucking do Greece. Yeah. So I mean, like those moments where she was with these kind of ladies, or just even at the Tony Awards or plugging Ragtime the musical or introducing uh-huh. you know like it's where right. I first saw yeah, where I first saw Audra introducing the world to Sutton Foster mm-hmm. I remember Audra. the Thirdly thir- thir- Mother Mitty thing yes. I was like, this is person's crazy yeah there were so many of those people that got launched by there um, there was this amazing I, again I tried to find the clip but couldn't find it um, John Cameron Mitchell was on trying to promote not trying was promoting the off-Broadway production of Hedvig back like when it, when it was at Jane, Street. at Jane Street yeah wow. and she tells this I mean he's like 
t- explaining what the show's about, and the audience is like giggling, and she's like, "It's a serious show. Like, grow up a little bit, or whatever." To the mm-hmm. audience, and you, you, like, she's actually trying to educate people at like two p.m. You know, yeah. <laughs> about like this cool avant-garde off-Broadway musical. I, yeah. I have to say, I was a little surprised. I loved the off-Broadway show, and I expected to love the movie, but I loved the movie. Wow! Wow! I was really moved. I really was. Thanks. I, I I'm moved by your being moved by. It, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, you know, a lot of years. Stephen Trask, who was just playing piano there, and I worked on it for seven years. So it's. It's kind of putting it to bed now, letting everyone see it, putting the wig down, because, you know, I play, play the character, yeah. too. And yeah, Hedwig, uh, who is a German male-to-female transsexual with a botched operation right. that left an angry inch yeah. down below. Yeah. Yes. It's a family it's film. It's a family film, exactly right. It's, you know, <laughs> it's a musical love story. It's really more of a fairy tale. I mean, people... The, you know, films like Harold and Maude, yes. being there, uh, Cabaret, those were like the modern fairy tales when I was growing up. And this is kind of my homage to that kind of, you know, adult fairy tale, I guess is really what it is. Uh, and no one really talks about like how she really brought uh, all this entertainment to the, to the gay, yeah. to, to the gay bees. Totally. And not, and again, like Broadway, but like off Broadway and like weird, like first time I saw Sandra Bernhardt was on that show promoting oh, wow. her off Broadway, like cabaret acts. They're friends too, aren't they? I would imagine friendly. They have to be. Um, but, uh, and she really seemed to be obsessed. Genuinely obsessed with these things. And like, for example, you know, when she had Hillary Clinton on, who was, I believe at the time, first lady, obviously, um, like wasn't even about, she didn't talk to her about like anything related to politics. She literally played Mary Tyler Moore trivia with her. <laughs> you know, like, just like really like found that angle of like uniting everybody regardless of political beliefs or where you live or who you are or around, whatever. Around being a fan. Around but, but yeah, being a but, fan. Yeah, loving she, pop culture. She did that with Bet. She, but the game was who knows more about your life. Yes. <laughs> and she won. Bette Midler lost about her own life. Brilliant. It's so Which is like, that just means like, whoa, at that time, yeah, I guess we didn't really have, because it was all men mostly that would be interviewing these oh, celebrities. Yeah, totally. We only really saw men kind of in being detached and sexist and full totally. of shit. And like, you know, there was a period of time, like, you know, in the 50s and 60s where like Broadway musicals were on TV all the time and on talk shows being promoted. But like, 70s and 80s, you didn't hear about no. anything related to musical theater or anything like that on TV. So, like, her bringing that back really did sort of, I think, like, reinvigorate what Broadway business could do. I also love that she brought that, she brought this, her, the same Broadway sensibility to The View. 100%. Like, when she was on The View, they were, like, doing... So you, rem- you remember the promo of her, where they do, again, all that jazz, I believe, but it's, uh, or Roxy, but it's, um, spicing up The View, um, I don't remember. <laughs> she sings a song, and Barbara has to sing in it, too. And Barbara Walters? Yes, it's great. It's hard to find, but the promo was basically some sort of parody song from Chicago about her joining The View. But yes, like, everywhere she goes, she puts that, that she spin puts on that it. She puts that Broadway spin on then it. Then, do you remember when she tried to do the the variety show? On like... On NBC. It was the night before Thanksgiving. Oh. She did a live bra- bra- uh, variety show. I believe it was called Rosie Live. And it was uh, like on a Broadway stage, like a traditional, like old school sketches and musical numbers. Liza was in it. Um, Clay Aiken was in it. It was no memory of it. It's this. hard to find. And basically, they 
showed it as a special one night with the idea that if it was a hit, they were going to do it once a week. She was going to do a live right. variety show from a Broadway stage Jesus. with like the cast of different Broadway shows. And it was flawed, but like it was such a cool thing that could have been. But They cannot stick a variety show. No, I can't like, I was I so know. excited about that Maya Rudolph, Martin Short oh, one. That wasn't good, no. No. Didn't happen. Yeah, and there was a Jessica Simpson tried to do yeah. it with Nick, and it didn't I mean, if happen. Jessica Simpson can't pull off a variety show, I don't know. <laughs> but can. the Rosie O'Donnell show kind of that's what it essentially was mm-hmm. to a degree. And I mean, it was kind of old school. She had that she brought her old school vibe. Very she also, much. She wrote the same thing. I remember when she remember she did that one year for Oprah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember them saying like, and she really wants more Broadway. Yeah, she wants to do more Broadway. That was a emphasis. fascinating show because it was just so flawed from the start and they were shooting it in Chicago on the Oprah stage so no one there was hard to get guests to come because Oprah didn't want to fire her staff so yes. she made Rosie come to Chicago and they, it wasn't working and it was every day on a brand new network and it wasn't no one was really watching it and then instead of canceling it Rosie convinced them to just like slice the budget and it was just like her in an office without an audience yeah. and like microphones, kind of like a podcasting microphones across from two people. And they did like really intimate conversations. They're really interesting. You can sometimes find them. There's a good one with Kathy Griffin and a good one with Chelsea Handler where it's just like an hour of real conversation. I remember, oh, that's cool. I remember yeah. watching a couple like in real time and I was like, ooh, if they just tweak this just a little more, this yeah. is almost what Rosie she's she's controlling the ship yeah. she doesn't have to battle anyone totally. she gets to do her thing but there was that like thing like I think the, not, the live audience not being there was it was odd it was odd. an odd show it was just it just didn't quite work and the network was brand new and they didn't know what to do but um because yeah. what an art she does have the true art of the interview very and, much like, conver- con- the conversation the gift, the the gift, gift for gab the gift for gab yeah the gift for gabs. and just like a, a and gen- just being genuine you know mm-hmm. at all times that's why I think that book, like, um, The Ladies Who Punch, yeah. which has come on. Already who could not just Already a ridiculous title already, we love. I mean, yeah, just I love say that so title much. over and over so again. Good. But I do think, like, she does, she is so genuine, but I also think, like, she does regret things because she literally says them in the moment while she's feeling it. Yes. And then reflects in, like, what we don't get from, from this salacious tabloids is that Rosie could probably, in the next breath, be like, okay, like, I say things, I deeply mean them, but mm-hmm. I also, like, have time to... Think on them. And, totally. You know, I don't think and, anyone feels things as deeply as Rosie O'Donnell right. feels things, which is what's so brilliantly fun and amazing to watch about her, but also which is what can cause her to fall into these like feuds and controversies. I mean, I, I, it's something I really identify with Rosie because I also get very inflamed over yeah. politics very quickly. Yeah. And I take it very personally and it yeah. becomes like a very personal thing to me. It's very yeah. difficult, you know, in Trump's America with, yeah. you know, I'm from a very conservative family. It's hard. Yeah, totally. And so I've always had like this, whenever I watched her just start getting in those situations on The View, mm-hmm. I just feel for her so deeply because I'm oh, like, I yeah. know where you are right now and you're on TV and you want to fight for what's right. Totally. And, and to know that like so many people in the world are watching you and not even listening to you because they have a preconceived idea of you being this, you know, loud, angry lesbian or whatever, you know, like I feel like so often when she does, when she has the opportunity to speak really openly and, um, passionately about her beliefs. There's so many people who just, because she's so polarizing, have just already decided to not listen to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think she actually is really quite wise and soulful. 
um, in a nice way. That's refreshing. And, and, and though then at some point while she was in The View, conservatives turned her into their whipping boy. Yeah. And, and, and mocking her, that became a real big thing. And then obviously yeah. we know trying to get into the president... Before sure. Was that started mocking her? Yeah. And like and, and and making fun of her. So yeah. What's well, interesting because I feel like everybody's because like going back to the idea that like in during in the '90s show like she's this like sort of queen of nice, this sort of very likable kind of created image, and mm-hmm. then that's kind of kind of what everybody was at that point. You know, like no one no one really got to like express their dark sides and their flaws and faults in a, in a really public way. Whereas like by the time she was on the view, that was kind of more in trend to be like opinion based and, you know, screaming your, your, your thoughts about something. Um, I mean, the view had been on for like 10 years at that point. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting to see like her progress in the world of entertainment as entertainment shifts around her. Um, and what, what she's actually being allowed to do because on the talk show, she wasn't allowed to do the, be as outspoken and then once she really was successful she realized she had the power to do it and then I feel like all these other things kind of caught up to that so did you did your fandom of Rosie after just thinking after the show was over between mm-hmm. like 2002 and 2006 yeah like what was that like for you when she Loved. wasn't on TV okay um, I was fascinated by that period of of time with Rosie um, she had, I was very, very, very obsessed with her blog at the time, rosie.com. Mm. She still does it. Really? Every very, very, very rarely does she actually write the blog posts anymore, but some, she still answers people's questions. There's a ask row tab on the website. It's really worth checking out. Have you asked her anything? No, I don't, I don't want to be that person. But, um, I, uh, I love reading them and people will ask her questions. So she just literally responds to like with like one word answers, but her blogs at that point were really, really, really great, and they were like kind of written like poems and like she loved to write haikus. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. And they were really like revealing and interesting, and um, like it just felt like someone really like working on themselves. And uh, around that time as well, she was doing vlogs, like early days of vlog, mm. like before Incredible. everybody was vlogging. And like was when she, the flip the flip camera. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, or it was like the camera that had like a little USB. And we all had thing to do and, our auditions. On yeah, those yeah, yeah, and yeah. Take them with us and everywhere. she became obsessed with that, and so she was vlogging every day for a while in her craft room, and it was really her craft. Oh, yes, yes. Oh. she loved so to be she, a craft. It was very queen. like unfiltered Rosie in a really cool way, like no makeup in a hoodie random times a day. It's kind of what she's doing now Instagram with live. the Instagram yeah. live thing. I will stop just about anything to watch. You told me, I've never 100%. Seen I'll watch sit it. and watch an entire, like, two hours of it. I've never I, seen one. It's captivating. It's she, really great. Because she's just so in the moment. She's just so present. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, authentic and just actually, like, responding to what's asked and responding to what's happening around her. And it's it's really beautiful and inspiring those. But in that period, I, I was really obsessed with that world of it. And then, you know, then the rumblings of coming back to the view, coming to the view um, and taking over started to happen. And then obviously she did. So then did you watch the view every day? Every fucking second of every day. And that was when I was homeschooling myself in high school. So that was oh, wow. peak, peak time to not have to go anywhere every day. Ooh, so Ooh. you got so you really got deep on deep. And, 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 and and it really is like because it was daily. Yeah. You could just start seeing the escalation oh, yeah. happening and oh, the, yeah. 
and ooh, talk about talk about some interviews that make you want to jump out of your skin. I mean, truly, her yeah. and Lizzie. I mean, her and Lizzie, the classic, you know, horrible thing, you know, the classic feud. I love that she's um, spend it as like just like lesbian heat, like firing off each other. Yeah, and yeah, and like, <laughs> did you know that? Yeah, yeah. That but like, it's great, and like, but it's you know that that was such a cool moment. I mean. It was, I'm sure, horrifying for her and for Elizabeth Hasselbeck and everybody involved in the fact that they went to split screen, made Rosie feel deceived. I remember that. Was oh, yeah, big, that was that a was, big... That was, like, the big turning point mm-hmm. in why she left. Um, but, like, in retrospect, you know, it was, A, amazing TV, but also, like, seeing two people actually emotionally, aggressively, angrily hash out real fucking things mm-hmm. on TV and not in like this polished sound bitey way but like messy like real life it was listening and responding in the moment yeah and it was what so many of us were going through at that totally. time like I feel like now we forget about that that the George W. Bush yeah, administration right. was really also rough like the Donald yes, Trump administration was of course yeah. and we were like full blown into war and protesting about it and getting in big ass fights about it yeah yeah but but really, Rosie was the voice, was the the, uh, the confused voice that I felt like I didn't have. Yeah. Of someone literally screaming, like, this isn't okay. Like, yeah. We, no one's questioning this. And I do remember there was, like, some, uh, um, not just a lack of clarity, but uh, but more of a lack of action. I, I think we all just kind of sat back and were like, mm-hmm. this is horrible, but we don't know what to do. And there was Rosie, at least, daily at 11 o'clock. Be, also not knowing what to do, but, like, expressing her anger and frustration with it and seeking answers for mm-hmm. what to do mm-hmm. in, a, in a in a really open public way. Um, I mean, just remarkable TV. And then after that, she did a radio show. Do you remember this? On Sirius, On Sirius XM? Yeah. It was called, yeah. it was just like Rosie Radio, I believe it was called. I got Sirius XM Radio in my apartment for it at the time <laughs> because I was so excited. And it was so, so good. It was a daily radio morning show for like, two or three hours and they built a radio studio on her property in Nyack and like so she didn't have to like get up and leave and she would just like they would mics would be roll mics would be on and she'd like come in and be like talk, you know sort of small talk and like making coffee and sort of like talking to her friends and then would have guests and callers and it was great great raw unfiltered oh, I love that messy Rosie. I would listen to a Rosie podcast well she keeps saying she might do one on those Instagram well, lives well everyone else fucking is yeah she I kind of actually cannot believe she didn't like jump right on that as a platform because it's like she it, could control it everything feel very her yeah edit everything yeah you know down like I, yeah I mean the, the radio thing was essentially like a great right. loose it podcast like. yeah it was it was so good and that's when she Started so then they start people executives started meeting with her about wanting to do a new talk show with her and bring her back and she had offers to do like a new syndicated daytime talk show but then Oprah was like I'm starting a network do you want to be on it and she took way less money to do the Oprah thing because she loved Oprah and then obviously that that felt right own Um, and then she had one season that was one season one season and then off of that for a while got married um, had had a heart attack. Right. Right. Um, really, like a really dangerous, massive heart attack. Um, the the new wife had a baby. Uh, and the new wife was going through some illnesses as well. She They have the baby, magical baby. Um, she then, after the heart attack, did that stand-up special. 
called um, Oh my god I have not seen that It's on HBO It's an HBO special It's called uh, I forget what it's called but it's something about a heart uh, Look it up um, and it's it, she like tells the whole story of having the heart attack and like it's it's great it's really really good wow. it's really good I need to watch um, that but then she did the then she went back to the view after that which you know did not go well again tragic um, oh. um okay I can't believe we made it this far not did not talk about the Barbara episode of the oh, Rosie O'Donnell going show. back yeah that's her number one that's talk about fandom I mean well she calls Bet the queen of all things queen of all things yeah. Our first guest is the queen of all things. Her new movie, That Old Feeling, opens today. Please welcome back to our program, Her Majesty, the fabulous Bette Midler. I would say, but Barbara, you know. Well, Barbara goes further back in her childhood, and mother. that was all her mother. You know, we all know this whole thing. Barbara, uh, Barbara was Rosie's mother's obsession, and Rosie's mom died when she was 10, and, like, she kind of, like, put... Barbara as the sort of mother figure in her mind replacing her mom. So that's sort of like the importance of Barbara to Rosie. I have to tell you uh, a little self-indulgently that in many ways to me it feels like my mom walking oh, through the curtain so because I have to say that you were a don't constant... Make, you're going to make me cry. I'm sorry. I, you know, I don't want to do anything that would upset you no. in any way, but... <laughs> And source of light in an orphan dark childhood and you inspired me and gave me the courage to dream of a life better than the one I knew and I am profoundly grateful to you in so many ways. you in it oh my god it's the truth well I thought when did you find out about me I mean when you were how old <laughs> well the truth is that you opened and I could get it for your wholesale the day after I was born no honest to God and my mother I'm that old no 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 you were so young on Broadway right, you were yeah. so young and my mother uh, adored you and wow. I don't ever remember your music not being on in our house really every year we decorated our tree to the Christmas album oh my god yeah it's a and you're gorgeous look at you I'm gorgeous you're gorgeous You probably know more about me than I do about me. I, I forgot. I, I probably forgot. remember things you don't remember. Like, remember when you won the Oscar and you walked up and you tripped a little bit on the way up with the You cat. would remember this. I remember that. I was, but you were so good. And you were talking about how in the theater you'd have to do so many performances. That's right. And I could be in my bathtub and have millions of people watching me while I was taking a bath, right? Right. Yeah. Is there anyone when you were a kid that you felt this way about? Um... I don't think so. No. <laughs> no. Because I, I read Judy Garland had a profound effect on you. But. Um, no, what I told Celine, what I told her was that it reminded me of, of when I was with Judy Garland. But Judy, what I remember about Judy, and I admired her tremendously. She was brilliant and kind. And, you know, she was grabbing onto my hand with cold, cold hands because... She was frightened. And really? I, I wasn't frightened when I was 21. No. I'm more frightened now. Really? The truth. Yeah, there's more to live up to. You know, how do I fulfill your fantasy of me? Can I just say this? My fantasy of you was always rooted in truth. 
you, with your the statements that you make, the mm -hmm. speech that you made at Harvard, and Thank you. you know, it's not just a kid's impression. As mm -hmm. I grew into be an adult woman, mm -hmm. and you're directing, and all mm -hmm. of those things, it's it's reality based. There's no illusion. It's you, that's good. you know, as a mom and yeah. as, as everything. Oh, that's good. But that's I bet good. that must be hard for you because people do yeah. hold you, start yeah. to cry and sob when you say, well, <laughs> "That would be me." Sorry. Because, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to disappoint people. No, and do, do you worry that you do because? Sometimes I used to more, you know, when, before I did concerts. Right. And I thought, well, they hear me on record where you can perfect everything. When you go out and sing live, you sing live and you, you could have flaws and perfections. And, right. and that came with time when I said, you know what, I love the flaw. I love the imperfections. I mean, there is no such thing as perfection. That's true, but uh, might I say that imperfect. you come very close? Because I saw the, the New York... Uh, um, and I mean, when she finally did have her on the Rosie O'Donnell show for a full hour that she wanted to have no commercials for, the <gasps> network made... Like she, she like really, she's PBS all she, of a yeah, sudden. She tried to fight for them to have no commercials for the full hour, and the network was like, dude, no. Um, <laughs> also, she had... I remember, like, she, she like, had built, campaigned for Barbara to come yes, on. Yes, and built up, built up, built Bills up, built up. up. And then, when she finally did have her... Barbara, you know, only likes to be filmed from her left side, I believe. She has a side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and Rosie redesigned the set so that she could be sitting on the left so that she had her side. But to not embarrass Barbara and make her look like a diva, she switched the set three weeks before. And she's like, we've decided to switch up the set. And then they switched up the set. And then after the Barbara episode, it went, went back to the original set. Whoa. Isn't that fun? That's Really sweet. That's, that's a fan. That's, that's a, fan a fan and a kind fan. That's a really um, sweet fan. Yeah, no, that, that episode is truly wonderful. I think she had two episodes with Barbara. And then... When, like a couple years later. Yeah. Right? Barbara yeah. Came back. I remember Barbara, Barbara coming back. back. Yeah. Oh, it's... Oh, it's she did all the... Deep. She loved Cher. She I did, remember yeah. Cher, oh, Cher was, was on all the time. All the yeah. time. I remember once she was promoting her like, iconic um, catalog. <laughs> yes. Remember that? Yes. Like, for like all her of her homewares, like, kind of home thing? gothy kind it of was like hideous, hideous stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. like it was like mm, this is a porn studio or yes. this is Cher's house. She was promoting that on Rosie. There's a, yes. there's a great clip of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This yeah. is all the stuff from the Sanctuary catalog. Now, Cher, how did you get into doing this? How did you get into this? The truth is, it's it, it looks very much like my house, and I and I have been collecting antiques and and stuff for so many years. I mean. You know, like, oh my God, how old is Chas? 27 years. So um, my friend said, it would be so cool if we could get this stuff, but we never come across it. And so I thought, you know what? That would be a, a great idea. I mean, like to make really beautiful things for people who, who can't afford to go to Europe or whatever. I mean, rich people can find whatever they want, you yeah. know? So, you yeah. know, who cares about them? But it, so it's just, it's really interesting things for people, you know, who are maybe a little bit bored with the, uh, I don't know, but even if pottery you barn. If, yeah. Even if you do have some money, you still order there. Me. <laughs> I know, I heard. I got, a, I got a couple bucks and I still get the candles from you. I like the candles. They're it's, nice, aren't they? It's not the cross one because I thought my father would see that he'd have a coronary. It's the ones back there. Have you met Rosie? I'm not, I've DM'd with her on Twitter at one point. We had like a little DM back and forth for a second. Like a love fest wow. or what? Just sort of like, I just chatting. I PA'd on something she, like a special she shot for the Oprah Network when I first moved to LA and I, she like, I was around her a lot, but I, I was too afraid to speak to her. Right. So I never said hello. But then I, when I was DMing with her a bit, I was trying to set up a hang and I, 
Hey, girl, what yeah. are you doing? I mean, and I think I got close because we know it. We have a lot of mutual friends, but I um, kind of got a little chickened out of her, like, making the plan because I, I feel like she's the one, like, famous person that I would have a weird hangout with because I would want so badly for them to like me. Mm. And I feel like I would, no matter what happened, I would leave disappointed. Well, and it's yeah. also like I think she could. I think maybe she has an ability to be, have like experience, like we said, deep moods. Yes. So there could be a possibility that you're gonna. Yeah, that wouldn't necessarily. And, and like maybe my vibe would like piss her off. Who knows? Like, you know, I I would say I say this all the time, but like I would say that like the only person who could tarnish my love for Bette Midler would be Bette Midler. Yeah. And so I just as much as as interested as I am in meeting her and all this stuff, like. I, it's not worth the risk. Yeah, to me. I kind of have that. Yeah, that's sort of how I feel. I mean, maybe at some point. Um, yeah. Do you think Carol Channing was on Rosie? Yes, she was. Show? Of course. Was she? Yes. What did, she, did she sing? Um, I, I think. Yeah. I mean, she had Elaine. Remember what she had Elaine uh-huh. Stritch on quite a bit actually. Like she'd have on Elaine like just to promote like a small role in a movie, and then she had Elaine on to promote um, at Liberty. At Liberty. Do all of you understand that line? Because that's what I say to the audience at the Neil Simon every night, the first line of the show. It's not the work, like the prostitute said. It's the stairs. And let's see, is that true of everything in life? I love being here with Rosie O'Donnell and you and John and everybody. But getting here (laughs) and getting your hair done and makeup done and get in the car and the car do i look all right is my th- i worried you to death but once you get here it's terrific so that's what the line means if i had to explain every line in my show like i've had to explain that to you today <laughs> she, had, she had all the divas on she had all the greats like no matter how relevant they were at that particular moment. Mm-hmm. And really not relevant, again, for the audience that she was showcasing no. to. So she just was really pushing her agenda in a beautiful way. In a and beautiful we all way. went along, you know, we trusted her. And I think a true, I truly think, like, a generation of, of queer people were, like, truly inspired by. And educated. educated. And educated by that, <laughs> yes. by that show. And create, and kind of, like... Lives were created by that, and so we know that she did um, Smilf. Yes, yeah, and now we what? loved it. We talked about it. Yeah, and now it's gone. Yep. If you could like dream up a next opportunity for, opportunity. for O'Donnell, next act of her. I personally, at this moment, really want her back in a talk format on television. I don't. I personally think let's not shy away from the politics Whoa. and the fact that she is the like enemy number one of the fucking president of the United States. Let's just embrace that. Let's put her on MSNBC. Let's give her an hour Whoa. without an yeah. audience, like a Rachel Rachel Maddow style show, but like looser than that, where she not, doesn't necessarily talk to like journalists about issues, but like maybe some celebrities, but like more so like people who know what the fuck they're talking about, um, but in a less of like a journalism news way but in a more laid back I'm Rosie O'Donnell I have strong opinions but I'm at the end of the day just a citizen of the world um, Joy Behar did this. that yes the, I was on that show quite a bit what do you mean you uh, she used Joy to do Shelley? panels on that show it was so stupid she used to do like panels of like for like and like have like three like comics and I did it a few times about like gay stuff really it was I never a good experience but oh, only why? because I 
Because it was like all like real stand up comics, and I was like twenty one, and like and like your hot takes were. I, I didn't know. I didn't know how to like do like a, a like a one liner, and it was right. like Judy Gold, and like I would ha- and like would have like you know joke responses to everything, and I would be like, well, no, this is how I actually feel about this thing, and, and it was really not not great, but um, I did it a few times. It was uh, it was very wow. thrilling to get to you know be on camera with. Joy Behar. Yes, Joy Behar. But that's what I could, Rosie, I want her in a show kind of like that HLN show, the Joy Behar show. Something like that. I kind of think it maybe, maybe there's a small audience a la Watch What Happens Live. Mm. I think there should be an element where it's very live. I think there should be calls. I think there should be Skyping. I think like she does so well at talking to real people Mm -hmm. that I think there should be a strong element to whatever she does next where she's actually communicating with real people about real things going on in the world okay so we have one more question so that microphone in front of you yeah is actually plugged into my skype okay and it is in rosie's skype inbox okay for voicemails okay and you are going to leave her uh you can if you so choose okay leave her a skype voicemail okay where you can just say whatever the hell you want to her sure okay well I don't think I'd say too much because I don't, I don't want to bombard Rosie. She's got a lot on her plate. She's got a toddler. Yeah. After raising, what, six kids? 17 children. For, I mean, for fuck's sake. 17 children. Uh, and she's got, a hot, new, and she's got a hot new cop girlfriend who's a cop in Boston that she met doing Smilf. So That's I'd, cool. So first I'd say congrats on the new gal. Mm-hmm. I know you've been through a lot of heartbreak and a lot of um, tough stuff relationship-wise throughout your whole life. But I'm glad things are on on the up and up right now. She's getting married again. Um, which maybe I'd be like, babe, let's think this through. <laughs> but um But more importantly, I would just be like, you know, I can I truly cannot fathom what it feels like to be you in 2019, where the biggest your biggest bully, maybe of all time, and the man who like truly tried to make your life a living hell for many, many years is the president of the United States. And like the fact that she is, I think handling that with grace and class and intelligence and patience. Like I personally think like that would spin me the fuck out of my mind. And as someone who also suffers from depression, like she does, I think she's handling it in such a uh, admirable way that she should be commended and that she should be back on TV. Mm. Yeah, come back on TV, Rosie, please. Yeah, right. So it's the moment. We love you, Rosie. We love you, Rosie. Congrats thanks, on thanks everything. for raising us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Thanks that's for about, raising that's... us, Ro. Yeah, oh, come on this podcast, please. We just fan out. You'll, yeah, um, come on. And guest. thank you, Jeffrey. Thank thanks you, for Jeffrey. having me, you guys. You're doing God's work. Yes, oh, please, it's so much fun. Thank you for coming on, and thanks for having. Thanks me. everyone for listening. Um, uh, follow Jeffrey and follow this podcast and download the episode because that helps us. Um, we want to. Get able, Rosie. We want to get Rosie on the show, so you have to download and uh, rate and review this podcast. Say, doesn't it help that like, a few people will leave reviews? Yeah, reviews that, are great. Yeah. We love I reviews. Thought. I used to have a podcast, and that was like the thing people said you had to get people to do. Yeah. So listen to Jeffrey Self. Write a review. Like, subscribe. We're on Instagram. Twitter. And uh, thanks uh, for listening. Bye. Goodbye. No use leading with our chins. This is where the story ends. I'm so glad that we've been friends Goodbye
let's call it a day But before you go away I sincerely want to say I wish you bluebirds in the spring To give your heart a song to sing And then a kiss But more than this I wish you love And in July a lemonade To cool you in some leafy glade I wish you health But more than wealth I wish you love My breaking heart and I'll breathe That you belong here on TV So with my best, my very best We set you free I wish you shelter from a storm A cozy fire to keep you warm But most of all When your shadows come to call I wish you love